All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, before we get into the text, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. Lord, we know the words of man are a waste of time. So we pray that the word of God would go forth with power. Again, I pray for everyone who's new here today, that they would feel welcomed and loved. Lord, we know that when we have you in common, we have everything in common. So be glorified today. Less of me, more of you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Quickly to catch you up on the context, right? We take a text out of context, all you left's a con, amen? And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes this letter. This is basically his last will and testament. Paul is in prison. He's awaiting his beheading. So he doesn't have, we don't know how much time he has left, whether it's weeks or months or how long he's going to be alive, but he's writing this letter to Timothy in a time when Christians are under great persecution. Christians are being fed to lions. Other Christians are being covered in pitch and set on fire. Caesar Nero was a madman. He had burned Rome to the ground and blamed it on the Christians. So being a Christian during that time was very difficult. And a lot of people had walked away because they were fearful that if they continued to identify with Christ, it would cost them their life. I don't think it's by chance with the things that are going on in our nation right now that teaching verse by verse, we're in 2 Timothy. Amen? Now, we have no idea what persecution really is, and, but it may be coming. And it's certainly we're, we're facing it more now than we ever have uh, in, the, in the history of our nation. But it could be even greater down the, line, down the line. And so this chapter, though, written to young Timothy, and he doesn't tell him, look, the lion, you know, they're feeding Christians the lions, so go hide. He doesn't say, hey, you're going through great difficulty right now, so maybe water down the message so you're not so offensive. He said instead... That God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Amen? And he exhorted him to teach the whole counsel of God and to be unashamed of the gospel. So as we come to chapter 3, last week we looked at the first portion of that, along with finishing up chapter 2. And just real quickly, let me read through that, and then we'll pick up. If you've got your outline, grab it. I tell the message... Uh, perilous times and precious truth. We live in perilous times. They were in much more perilous times. But in the midst of perilous times, isn't it good to know that God's in control? Amen? It doesn't matter who's in the White House. God is on the throne. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us. God is faithful. He's not surprised by any of it. I've read the end of the book and God wins. Can I get an amen? So there's peace in the midst of it that we serve a faithful God. So the first thing we saw was signs of perilous times. And let me just read through a portion of that from last week. It says, I'll just read the first five verses there, and then we'll pick up in verse six. But we know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. If you were here last week, that was heavy. Amen. And the reality is that we all may struggle with some of these things from time to time. But as believers, when we struggle with them, they should be quickly followed up with conviction and repentance. Amen. But it's saying in the last days, this is what the world will look like. And we know that we are closer now to the return of Christ than ever before. And this sounds like the world. The three main things there, lovers of themselves. Do people love themselves today? And it's creeped into the church. We have the self-esteem gospel where they tell you how wonderful and amazing you are. I, I, I love every one of you. You're not, you're not amazing. Our God's amazing. Can I get an amen? That word gets thrown around a lot. Only he deserves it. We're not wonder, he's, We're sinners saved by grace. Amen? For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And we don't have a self-esteem message. I told you last week that the seven S's of salvation by this church preacher that had me yelling at the TV. Okay. And I know he can't hear me, but I was that. And he said, I'm going to give you the seven S's to salvation. And the first one was self-esteem. And he said, when you looked at the cross, you saw a big plus symbol. Guys, that is not the message of the cross. Amen. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You know what's creeped into the church? We have what is called today the prosperity doctrine, which is basically the doctrine of the devil. Can I get an amen to that? 
where you give to God so God will give back to you. And you plant your seed in the pastor's garden. It's amazing how it's always in his garden. Plant the, plant the seed in his garden. You give, you know, it's the holy lottery. He's the Santa Claus up in the sky. And if we give a bunch of money, then God will bless us back with money. I am so thankful that what God blesses us with will outlast this life. It's not temporary stuff. It's not a bigger pile of dirt than your neighbor. Amen? So lovers of self, and we get creeped into the church, the self-esteem doctrine. Lovers of money, it's creeped into the church. And then finally, the saddest truth thing there is lovers of pleasure rather than uh, lovers of God. People love pleasure more than they love God. And the, and the proof is in that divorce comes because we love pleasure rather than we love God. Our walks with the Lord fall apart because we love pleasure and our entertainment more than we love the Lord. We compromise our faith because we're more worried about being satisfied in the flesh than walking with God in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So now as we come to the rest of the chapter, and I don't know if we'll get through all of it today, we're going to do our best. The second thing we'll see in, in signs of perilous times is false teachers and imitators leading people away from the truth. Just because there's a church, just because someone stands up behind a pulpit does not mean that what they're teaching is the truth. Can I get an amen to that? And that's why we hand out Bibles. That's why we want you reading the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so God's word is what transforms our lives. And I don't, I don't even want to put verses up on a screen ever. Why? Because I want you to make sure that what's being taught here coincides with what that says in this book right here. Amen. And so we live in a time right now where there's false teachers everywhere. And most false teachers, they'll have a, some truth in there. They'll have some truth, enough truth to confuse people. If you talk to a Mormon, they'll talk about their heavenly father. They'll talk about Jesus dying on the cross and being our savior. They'll talk about all of the things that sound Christian to us. And if we're not careful, we'll believe that they believe what we do. But they also believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. They also believe that the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet that was so good he got to be God on our planet. And if we're good men here, we get to be God of our own planet. And now you wonder why men flock to be Mormons because they want to be God of their own planet. But that's not true. Can I get an amen to that? But we love the Mormons, amen? We love the Jehovah's Witnesses. We love all those false doctrines that are out there, but we need to recognize them for what they are. Because guys, I don't care how many people believe it. I don't care how charismatic the person is that teaches it. This is the final court of authority and we rule by the word of God, not the opinions of man. Amen? If we have time, we will then look at the precious truth. So we see the perilous times and signs of perilous times. We see false teachers. The precious truth is keeping a heavenly perspective in face of persecution from the world. Boy, that's a word for us today. Amen? To keep a heavenly perspective. I know more people in this church right now that have lost your jobs again because we've closed down our economy one more time. And again, God is in control and God is faithful. By the way, if that's happened to you and you need help, you let us know. We want to make sure you're cared for. Amen? And then finally, remain steadfast in the word. You think I might like that portion? It's good stuff. All right, so let's pick up there in verse six, perilous times and precious truth. And we'll begin there looking at the false teachers. And, and it's so tragic that again, it's even creeping into the church today. We're seeing it become more and more evident all the time. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on the word of God and not be drawn away by the lies from the enemy. It says there in verse six, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. False teachers, those of uh, the, uh, the, the flaws that were talked about in the first five verses, would in Timothy's days, uh, would worm their way into the homes and gain control over those they knew were vulnerable. They'll look for people that they know, don't know, aren't, aren't spiritually mature, those who are going through difficult times and they will play upon that and they'll use it for their own advancement, for their own glory, and they'll take advantage of others. It says gullible women, it just says weak-willed or silly. That's what that word means. And these false teachers of flawed character look for easy targets, those who are susceptible to their slickly passed, you know, packaged deception. You know, why, why do all these people watch these false teachers on TV? How long does it take for you to recognize that a false teacher is a false teacher when you walk on, watch them on television? 15 seconds, 5 seconds, 12 seconds? doesn't take long, amen? 
But you know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And you've been born again. And you've studied the word of God. And you know the truth. So you recognize the lie. But the people that are out there that are hurting... The people out there that are desperate and they don't know what the answers are, if somebody's slick enough and charismatic enough, they'll begin to follow a man. That's why we don't follow men. We follow the Lord. Amen? And so he's saying, look, in these perilous times, you're going to have teachers taking advantage of the hurting and taking advantage of, the, of those who are maybe not as, you know, it says gullible. Right, And it's not just women, gullible men and women, those who are, who are weak in their will and weak in their understanding. And false, they would find those who were alone, they would find those who were hurting, and they would, they would swoop in on them, and they would draw them away from the truth. Our church in Santa Cruz that I pastored, that when it got very large, the larger it would get, we'd have more and more people who would show up, and they would have their own doctrine. And what they would try to do is they would, try, they would go to the new believers class and find somebody who's new in their faith. Then they would invite them over to their house, and they'd say, well, those people are okay, but let me teach you the deeper truth. You know, or I, I, you know, I, I'm a prophet. Uh, no, you're not. Can I get an amen to that? But the reality is, so this is what happens, and this is continuing to happen even today, that people are being drawn away in the last days by false teachers who, again, don't tend to produce fruit. They tend to try to steal the fruit from somewhere else. It says that people are loaded down with sin. So, look, when you don't know the Lord, regardless of how you may present yourself, you know that something's missing. Can I get an amen to that? I see interviews all the time and you have athletes or you have, you have people that are very wealthy or very successful and they'll have all this money. And the su- you know the suicide rate is higher in the top 1% of earners than in the bottom 1%? Because what happens is you get all that you think will make you happy, but your flesh will never be satisfied. Amen? There's no amount of money. There's no amount of, of you know, uh, sexual encounters or or no drug, there's, there's no amount of fame, there's, none of that will satisfy you because God created you to have a relationship with him and only knowing the Prince of Peace will truly bring peace to your life, amen? And, oh, if we win that championship, then I'll be happy. Oh, if I get that promotion, then I'll be happy. Oh, if I can buy that house, then I'll be happy. And the reality is the new car smells, wears off and people that are loaded down with their sin, they will take advantage of them. They know something's missing. And so that's why you see people that they know something's missing, but then they run off to Tibet and to, to meditate on a mountaintop somewhere, or they go and they run and they, they, they get involved with some kind of self-help group that they think is going to be the answer. And guys, those are not the answer. Jesus Christ alone is the answer. Amen. And so false teachers will come. And they'll see those people that are hurting. And that's why I love what Dr. Walter Martin used to say. Are you willing to do for the truth what the cultists will do for a lie? They'll go to door to door. They'll, they'll reach out to people. They'll, be, they'll do things to try to draw them in. And the sad thing is, as Christians, often we are keeping our faith to ourselves. And again, we're afraid or, you know, we're fearful of opening our mouths. It says, led away by various lusts. It speaks of both their carnal past as well as a tool for the false teachers to draw these gullible people into their way of life. You know, if you find someone who's hurting and you tell them they can be God of their own planet, that sounds pretty good. Find someone who's hurting and you tell them that if they'll just follow the Lord, that all of their problems will go away. But it's not the God of the Bible. It's the God of their own creation. You know, the Bible tells us clearly that if we follow the Lord, it doesn't mean that uh, we're going to be on a cruise ship to heaven. Christianity is not a cruise ship to heaven. It's a battleship anchored at the gates of hell. Amen. And we go through spiritual battles every single day, but the good news is that God is faithful and in control. So false teachers creep into homes today, and it's even easier. It's called television and radio. Amen? My grandmother, who's in heaven, who loved Jesus, but she got only one channel when she lived out in Yucca Valley, and I would go visit her, and it was, you know, it was a network that was filled with nonsense. And my poor grandmother would send money, and, I'm like, you know, and she's living on this, and I would say, you know, Mama, no, 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 no. And so we started sending her CDs of our, in, uh, from our church and other churches and said, you need to turn that off. Because what happens, you creep into that house and then you, get, you draw people away. By the way, if you don't know it, this little church, we're on five radio stations. We get calls every week from people who are just excited just to hear the Bible taught. Amen? And we're getting away from that. 
And so be careful. So these false teachers will come about in the last days and they'll look for the hurting and they'll take advantage of them and they'll draw them away to a false gospel and they'll give them, again, they will not give them the answers that they need. Again, I mentioned it, the self-esteem gospel for lovers of self, the prosperity doctrine for lovers of money, the false doctrine of the cults. And, all, and by the way, here's how you identify a cult. You ready? Here it is. You ready? They make man more and God less. Every time God is less and man is more. Oh, you're going to be God of your own planet. Oh, you're, you know, you're this. And they tell you how amazing you are. And then they bring God down. Well, God was just another man like us. Uh, no. Amen. So there's two undeniable facts. There is a God and you're not him. Amen. And you never will be. And so that's what the cults do. And that's what false teachers do is they draw us away and tell us what we want to hear instead of what we should, what we need to hear. While they know about God, they don't truly know God. They have no real knowledge of the truth. Thus, they're very vulnerable to fall for a lie. Today, it's happening all over. The, here, here's some things you will see that there's belief. They, they, believe, they teach that you can have belief apart from repentance. You can't just believe in God. The demons believe and tremble, the Bible says. Amen? Knowing about God is not enough. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? You cannot have belief without repentance. Repent means to change your mind, to turn around, to walk away from the person you once were and to surrender your life fully to the Lord. You can't just believe in him. You need to have a relationship with him. They also want Christianity without a cross. I've been told by people, you, you, Calvary, you guys preach the cross. Of course we preach the cross. Without the cross, there's no salvation. Amen? Without the cross, there's no Christianity. There's people who call it a vile doctrine. They're taking crosses down off of their buildings because they say it's offensive. You know what? The cross of Christ is the rock of offense. If we have not surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, and we need to be offended. Can I get an amen to that? And when the cross should wake us up and open our eyes to the truth, but false teachers will, get, will say you can have Christianity without having to die to yourself. You can have Christianity without the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. In Santa Cruz, they had an evangelical minister's fellowship, and I used to be a part of it. And there was a bunch of people that wanted to get the word evangelical out because they said, we don't, we're not being inclusive enough of all the people that don't believe in the cross. If they don't believe in the cross, they're not Christians. Amen. And by the way, he rose from the dead on the third day. And that's an undeniable fact. And if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian either. Amen. So guys, these are things that are being taught. False teachers. Let's get Jesus out of there. Just believe in something. Oh, I'm on a spiritual journey. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to be sick. I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm on my journey. I'm studying my, I'm learning my truth. It's not your truth. It's the truth. It's not a spiritual journey. It's Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. Amen. And there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. They say you can come to God. There's many paths to God. Believing that there's a, that, that, uh, there is a God won't save you. Again, the demons believe and tremble. We must recognize our own depravity, our desperate need for redemption. Verse 7. Then he says there in verse 7, always learning and never coming to the knowledge of Christ. Always learning, ever learning some new point, the latest uh, move of God, the latest revelation of God, the latest man-made false doctrine of the false teachers. We put a great deal of stock in learning and education and learning and education are fine. Hey, when I'm, you know, when I have surgery, I, I, I want that brother learned up. Can I get an amen? I want to make sure that guy's, you know, been doing this for a while. I and I don't want to be the first one he's trying out on either. Amen. So, Learning and education are good, but we don't put our faith in learning and education above putting our faith in Christ. Amen? And let's face it, higher learning, a lot of it, tries to draw our young people away from the Lord. Amen? They teach them a lie. So education can be both good and necessary, but at the same time, it's far more important that not, what, not how we learn, but what we learn. Amen? What are we learning? What are we studying? Those who had been sucked in by the false doctrine, the false teachers, they were always learning, but just becoming more and more ignorant. The word knowledge there in, that, in verse 7 is to know by experience. So it means I know this because I've lived it. I don't know about it. I haven't just heard someone else teach about it. You know, it's like the difference between, you know, going to Hawaii on vacation or someone else going and showing you pictures. Amen. You know, they can tell you about it, but it's not the same as going. Amen. 
And people can tell you about God, but it's not the same as having a relationship with God. Amen? And so they, they have a lot of knowledge, but they're not drawing closer to the Lord. Not just know about God, but to know him personally and intimately. And sadly, much of the world today is like these vulnerable and gullible people. They know of God, but have no experience of walking with God. They have no repentance. And again, like a good spiritual, you know, know, if you like Oprah, God bless you. But, you know, she would have all these spiritual people on. And I saw a series of these recently. And she's like, well, we all know there's many paths to God. Uh, No, we don't. Amen? And we'll assume that people that are in positions of authority or whatever, they're entertaining us, and they'll make statements like that. And guys, the only way you'll know that's not true is if you know the truth. Amen? You'll recognize the counterfeit in a minute. And I remember that there was on one of those videos I watched recently, someone stood up and said, well, no, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only, and they preached it with boldness, and the crowd booed him out of the building. But guys, we don't worry about being booed out by men. We, we worry about being faithful to God. Amen? Then it says this in verse 8. Now, Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. So did those also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. Who are Janus and Jambres? Well, how many guys have seen the Ten Commandments? Do you remember when Moses went before Pharaoh? And what did he do? He threw down his rod. What did it turn into? snake. Now, you remember those two magicians came out, did the same thing, and they turned into snakes? You guys remember that? Janus and Jambres. These are the guys who are the magicians in front of Pharaoh. Now, if you keep watching, Moses' snake ate their snakes. Amen. You guys remember that? It was Aaron's rod that was thrown down, but it ate their snakes. But see, here's the reality, that Satan is a counterfeiter, and he can do some supernatural things. Amen? So just because something is miraculous doesn't mean it comes from God. And you'll know it's, if, if it comes from God if it lines up with the word of God. Amen? So we don't chase after miracle crusades. And again, is our God still doing miracles? What's the answer? Should we pray for God to heal people? What's the answer? So God does miracles. And I think that we don't see as miracles as we used to for a couple reasons. One, because we have the completed word of God. But God is still doing miracles. When I would go to India, every time I'd go to India, I would meet people. And unless they're all lying to me, that say they've witnessed people being raised from the dead. And I mean, I've had thousands of people tell me this. And I'm like, they can't all be lying. And I've never seen, anybody seen anybody raised from the dead? Do we pray for people to be raised from the dead? Because we don't believe it. By the way, if I die, do not pray that. I'm staying in heaven. I don't want to come back here. Can I get an amen? I'm not interested. I don't need earth part two. I'm done. Amen. One time out, heaven better. Don't pray that. Amen. But the point I'm making is we have not because we ask not. So God is a God of miracles, but we don't chase the miracle. We chase the savior. Amen. And what happens is we're having a miracle crusade and a lot of it's fake and it manipulates people. And guys, we need word of God crusades. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? And we can pray for miracles, but we don't put our faith in the feeling. We don't put our faith in the miraculous thing that we saw. We put our faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and living God of the word of God. Amen? And that's where we put our faith. So Janus and Jamri is, again, not identified in Exodus, but we know that they were the magicians. And they even, it was hilarious. So when, they, when Moses turned water into blood, they did the same. When he brought the frogs, they brought more frogs. It just shows you how, how helpful the miracle workers are when they bring more of a plague that's on you. And, and so we see that they, the they, devil has power to imitate. At the same time, though, occult powers of the devil were shown to be always inferior to the power of God. By the way, the devil can't do anything unless God allows it. Did you know that? Do you know the devil's a defeated foe? He's not the opposite of God. He's toast compared to God. Amen. He doesn't even compare to God. We don't need to fear the devil. We resist the devil and he flees from us. Amen? We know in Revelation 13 and 2 Thessalonians 2, it tells us the ability to do miracles by the power of darkness will be a mark of the last days. So don't be surprised when the miraculous comes. Don't chase after miracles. Chase after the Savior. Even the psychic or the New Age power can seem right. 
We must not be seduced by it because demonic powers can come masquerading as angels of light. Most of you guys know I have a full-time job. I'm with the same company, 32 years. I sell advertising. And it used to be when I would get certain accounts assigned to me, uh, back when the Yellow Pages, now we do Google and everything now, but back when the Yellow Pages, if you weren't in the phone book, you would go out of business. And so what we would do, you know, we'd go call them businesses. I'd get psychics assigned to me, abortion clinics, uh, nah, throw them in the trash, call on nobody. They disappeared from the phone book. And when I had the ability, I'd call 411 and get their phone number removed. And I tell my boss, you keep an assignment to me. That's going to happen to everyone. They keep assigning to me. I get rid of them. And, you know, and I get psychics and I throw them when they call up and say, how come my advertising came down? Well, if you're really a psychic, you would have known the book was closing and you would have called me. <laughs> right? So you didn't know it's your fault. But one time I had a couple of psychics assigned to me out of my, you know, 500 accounts and God put on my heart to go witness to them. Like, if you don't go talk to him about the Lord, who's going to? And the first one, by the grace of God, I met with this mom and, and her daughter, and we talked about the Lord for almost three hours. They gave their life to the Lord, and they started attending Calvary Chapel San Jose, where I was the youth pastor at the time. Praise God. The second psychic I went to, not so much. I walked in the building, and I, was sit I had prayed before I went in, and she was upstairs, and she looks down, she sees me. She says, young man, this was a long time ago, young man. You have two jobs, this one and another one. And the other one's the passion of your life. And you don't even want to be here right now. And you don't believe in what I'm doing. I'm like, wow, that's all accurate. And I said, well, I know this is about psychics. They're either making stuff up and just lying to people to get their money or they're tools of Satan. And now I know which one you are <laughs> because you were accurate. And I know where that came from. My boss got a call and I got in trouble a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> but the point I'm making is just because something's true doesn't mean it comes from God. Amen. The, the enemy will be able to use things to lie to you, to draw you away. And we don't want to be caught up in just the emotion or just the experience. Amen. Now, again, when I worship the Lord, I'm emotional about it. Amen. Emotion's real. But emotions also can lie to us. Amen. And we don't run to the world. We run to the Lord for answers. False teachers, again, are imitators of the truth. They're not going to show up and say, I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing and I'm trying to draw you away. They're going to try to appear as angels of light. We're to resist, they resist the truth by mixing it with the lie. Just remember this, that a half truth is a whole lie every time. Amen? So you can't, if, there's, if, there's, if it's not the complete truth, it is a whole lie. And it says there at the end of Middle there, verse eight, men of corrupt minds. When Jesus asked, what is the greatest of the, of the commandments? He responded, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Not heart or soul or mind or strength, but heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. So we surrender all of ourselves to Jesus. And he said, they're corrupt of mind. So guys, we can't be corrupt of mind and walking in spiritual truth in our soul and in our heart. And so we need to make sure that we don't come to God one piece at a time. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Amen. And so he gets our heart and our mind. You can't give him your heart and not your mind. So a man is either fully redeemed or fully corrupted. Which one are you? Have you fully surrendered your life to the Lord? Do you give the Lord an hour and a half on Sunday unless the weather's good or the waves are up? Amen. And we, and we give the Lord an hour and a half a week, but we really don't have much of a relationship with him the rest of the time. Guys, Jesus Christ should be the priority and passion of our lives. Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? That doesn't mean Christ is first on the list. It means he is the list. He's first, he's 50th, he's 100th, and he's every number in between. And guys, when we are passionately in love with the Lord, guess what? Everything about our life is going to be focused on him, but I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better worker. I'm going to be a better man if, I'm fall, if I have fallen in love and surrendered my life completely to the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? So he is the priority. He is the passion of our lives. 
So when someone resists the truth, the simple truth of the gospel, it is a reflection of a hardened heart, a lost soul, and a corrupt mind. It said back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome, to, to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, Reviling, evil, evil suspicions, useless wranglings, and men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourselves. So if anyone does not consent to the words of the Lord, they are proud, they know nothing, they have corrupt minds, and they're destitute of the truth. The Bible tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, which means if you do not fear God, you don't have any wisdom. Amen. Amen. And this is why we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why would we run to someone who's spiritually dead to get counsel for our lives when we are alive and new creations in Christ? Amen. We don't run to the world. We run to the Lord. We have Christian counselors who counsel based on the word of God. It tells us we are to withdraw from such people who are proud, who know nothing, who have corrupt minds, who are destitute of the truth. Guys, we get in trouble when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to and like to know, think we know something. You know, Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It says there at the end of that verse also, as we move on, it says, but they progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. The sad part is that they progress no further because they continue to try to do it without the Lord. Guys, you cannot grow without the Lord. You cannot grow spiritually without the Lord. You want to know that's the mark of spiritual maturity? the closer you are to God. How does your faith grow? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to have more faith? Spend more time in God's word. Amen? John Corson is one of my favorite Bible teachers and people used to ask him, hey, Pastor John, I want to have faith like you. He said, no problem. Read the Bible as much as I do and you will. If you want, you're as close to God as you want to be. Amen? And sadly, you have those who progress no further they do not grow in their relationship with the Lord because they're coming to God on their own terms or they're listening to those who don't even know the Lord. While the Lord, while the enemy is stirring things up in the last days, he's on the prowl. God is greater still. And again, the word folly there means, it, it, here's the word, it's stupidity. To read an original language, it's stupidity. Will in the end be manifest to all, just like it was with Janus and Jambres, false teachers before it's all over, their whole message will fall apart. So we've looked at the perilous times, false teachers, lovers of self, lovers of money, haughty, prideful, boastful, self-centered, right? And then we saw all the false teachers will come and they'll look for those who are weak among us and try to draw them away to a false gospel. They'll take advantage of the hurting. Instead of bringing them the truth, they're going to bring them a lie. And here's the good news. Look at the second part, the, the precious truth. The man of God and the word of God, how to remain faithful in the midst of such perilous times. How do we do this? How do we remain faithful right now? Uh, how do we remain faithful when the world around us is, is such a mess? How do we do that? How do we stand for the things of God? How do we continue to walk in the center of God's will when the world around us, again, is so far from God? First thing we're going to do, look at it says, keep a heavenly perspective in the face of the persecution of the world. Look what it says in verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. He's talking to Timothy, and he says to him, look, Timothy, there's all these false teachers out there. Hey, Timothy, all these people are loving themselves and lovers of money. They're all haughty and boastful, but Timothy, not you. Timothy, you, Paul just described the kind of people who will threaten the earth in the last days, and these are the people Timothy would have to contend with. I love that right there, but you. I love in the Bible, and it stops and says, but you. The only better is when it says, but God. Amen? So all this is going on, but I want you to know that's not who you are. In clear contrast to these perilous men's men in these perilous times, there was a clear dividing line between God's man, Timothy, and the godless men of the day. 
The word having carefully followed means to follow after, to follow one as to be alongside, to follow close, to accompany, to examine thoroughly. Timothy had not only witnessed Paul's life, but he had watched it firsthand. He saw what a man of God looked like. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, we got some seminary students in here. Wouldn't it be great if the Apostle Paul could teach your class for a semester? Wouldn't it be great to hang out and have lunch with the Apostle Paul? Wouldn't it be great to watch Paul go into cities and preach with great boldness and learn from his example? Can I get an amen to that? Timothy did that. Timothy went places with Paul. He saw how Paul responded. Now, we don't worship men, we worship God. But we know that God used Paul mightily because Paul denied himself, took up the cross, and followed the Lord. Amen? And so we can look at the examples of others. We don't worship men, we worship God. But praise God for godly examples. And Timothy had been following it. He was a young man called to be a pastor, an evangelist, and a disciple of men. And apart from the Lord himself, the Lord himself, there couldn't be a better person to follow. And again, he got to listen to him preach. He had meals with him. He watched him as he interacted with the lost world and the self-righteous Jews and the lukewarm believers. He saw how he responded in the midst of suffering and persecution. And while we must, again, never put anybody on a pedestal, a great example to follow. There's a great deal we can learn from those who are more spiritually mature in the faith than us. Can I get an amen to that? It's good to see people who are on fire for God and they face persecution and they are not swayed one bit. Praise God for people like that. And don't you love hanging out with people that love the Lord even more than you do? Amen. I want to hang out with people that are on fire. One of the reasons I love Pastor John Corson, his wife died, his, his daughter died, and then his son died, and that brother hasn't wavered one bit. He's, he's grieved, but he knows where they are, and he does not grieve as those without hope. And you know what? And I want to listen to what he has to say, because he's not only taught it, but he's lived it, and he's remained faithful through it. Amen? And here he is looking at the Apostle Paul, and Paul's saying to him, Timothy, I've been, I've been hanging with you, and I know you've not been caught up in that. And he's trying to encourage Timothy, because we do know at the beginning of, of 1 Timothy, he, he encouraged him not to quit, because even though Timothy was a man being used mildly by God, it doesn't mean that, that man, those men don't get discouraged sometimes. Amen? He's reminding him of the very things he had witnessed, heard, and followed from Paul's example, the very things he, he would need to continue in if he was going to be faithful to his calling and fruitful in the midst of such perilous time. A life in direct contrast to the flawed character of the world. This is why we do not follow the pattern of the world. We follow the Lord. Amen? And there's a pressure to follow the world. There's a pressure for all of us to go home and, and, and shut the shades and stay in the cave and come out when they tell us it's okay. Amen? But God has not given us a spirit of fear and power and love and a sound mind. Amen? And God has called us to forsake not the gathering ourselves together and all the more the, as the day approaches. We can learn a great deal from the things that Timothy caught from Paul. Because Christianity isn't just taught, it's also caught. I tell people all the time, the best thing, one of the greatest gifts God ever gave me was my parents. Because my parents are the two most godly people I've ever met. And my dad was the most godly man I've ever met. And I would watch how my dad treated my mom and I knew how to treat my wife. I watched how my dad worked hard at a, at a secular job and pastored a church at the same time and still ministered to his family. And I, I followed that example. I got to sit on the front row and watch Johnny Johnston's life for the first 50-something years of my life, and it taught me so much. And you know what? It's good to have godly examples to follow after. Amen? And he had the Apostle Paul, and he could learn from him. Notice it says there in that verse, in verse 10, you carefully followed my doctrine. That simply means uh, the teaching of the truth. You know, it's doctrine is teaching, it's truth, that's what it is. And Paul's doctrine is teaching and instruction while in direct conflict with the folly of the false teachers was in full agreement with the word of God. In fact, most of it became the word of God. Amen? The apostle Paul wrote it, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so he's following Paul and he's hearing the word of God and he learned from his 
doctrine. Doctrine's a word that isn't used a lot anymore, but guys, we need to stand for the truth. Before we catch and hold on or follow the teaching of any man, we must first be weighed in the light of Scripture. And Paul had been faithful to boldly proclaim the truth of God's word wherever he went. And Timothy had caught the truth of God's word by hearing and heeding Paul's words. Not only his doctrine, but his manner of life. Timothy had not only heard Paul's words, but he had witnessed his conduct. Guys, it's not enough to say we're Christians on Sunday and then live like the world the rest of the week. Amen? By your fruit, they shall know you. Now, we're not saved by good works. It's not faith or works or faith plus works, but it's faith that works. Amen? And by, their, by our fruit, they shall know us. And if we've truly been born again, we should live different. And it should be obvious. Is there a difference between a person who's alive and a corpse? Is it hard to figure out? Hope not. Amen. The Bible says we're spiritually alive and everyone else is dead in their trespasses and sins. Guys, we should be radically different than the world. Amen. Now we love the world. We should never be self-righteous. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. It's only by his grace that we're not still spiritually dead. Amen. But in light of that, we should be different. He had seen the consistency between what Paul taught and how he lived. And my prayer is that, you know, when, when, when we would, uh, ordain people often, especially up in Santa Cruz, we would, a lot of times I'd bring their wife in and I would read through first Timothy chapter three, the qualifications of a pastor and say, does that sound like your husband? I have one lady go, no, <laughs> no, he puts on a mask here, different guy at home. And we went down and guess what? We didn't ordain that brother. But what I'm making is, what I'm making is that guys, it's not enough to just you know, be that person in front of the crowd, but you need to be that person all the time. Amen. You've heard me say it. Reputation is who you are when everyone's watching. Character is who you are when no one's watching. Amen. And we need to be men and women of character. And he, he had watched his life from the front row. And it's one thing to preach the truth with great boldness. It's another thing to actually live it. There are few things do greater harm to the gospel than, you know, you've heard the term duplicitous or hypocritical. Uh, you know, when someone says one thing and lives another thing. And you know what that does? It does great harm to the gospel, doesn't it? When someone preaches it, and then you find out this guy's a pastor and he's this, or he's a Christian leader of some kind, or, you know, a Christian musician, because they're in the spotlight. And then you find out that this person has been living a double life the entire time. And you know what it does is brings harm to the cause of Christ. One who preaches one thing and lives another, preaches against fornication and adultery, and he's committing adultery while living a secret life. Preaches a heavenly focus while he's living in a $15 million mansion and flying in a private jet. Preaches the heart of a servant while living a life that seeks to be served. Proclaiming the power of God's word, yet not preaching it or following its truth. Lord, help us to practice what we preach. Amen? Help us to be those people. Timothy witnessed his, him up front. You know, Satan can't defeat you or destroy you. The next best thing he'll try to do is distract you. And he had seen that Paul was single-minded. And we'll talk about some of those examples. He said, not only that, but in faith. In faith or faithfulness. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Lord, help us to practice what we preach. Paul had done it. Timothy had seen it and was now carefully following it. So we see there, he talked about his manner of life. Oh, I skipped over purpose, his purpose. Timothy caught Paul's purpose of life. Paul's life had a purpose. It was, with, it was not without direction. What's the purpose of your life? What's the priority of your life? What's the passion of your life? Paul could answer that question immediately. Can we? Is God the priority? See the passion of our life? Does life have does your life have purpose? Has God given you direction for your life? Are you following it? It's been said, he who aims at nothing will hit it every time. Amen? And so the reality is that he said, you know, you know the purpose of heart. You know about my faith. You've learned it. You've seen my manner of life, my purpose, my faith. Long-suffering, the Greek word means slowness, slowness in avenging wrongs. Patience with difficult people. Anybody guilty of not always following that besides me? Patience with difficult people. Lord help. Can I get an amen to that? Not long ago, I was driving down, driving, this guy was hanging out his window and screaming at me. And by the grace of God, if you had watched it on video, it looked like I responded really well. 
If you knew what was going on in my thought life, you would have rebuked me in Jesus' name. Amen? Because, you, you know, people, ah, you know, and people are, people are difficult. I'm difficult. You're difficult. Can I get amen to that? No perfect church. They all got people in them. Amen? And if you found the perfect church, when you showed up, you'd ruin it because you showed up. Can I get amen? So the reality is that long-suffering, he had seen the long-suffering of Paul how Paul, because he had an eternal perspective, he did not allow himself to be taken off track, especially for someone who had endured so much. Paul endured stonings and beatings, and now he's awaiting being put to death. And again, and Timothy is facing persecution under Nero. And in the midst of all of that, he saw that he was a man who remained faithful and who remained long-suffering. Notice the word there. The next word is love. You've, you've witnessed my love. See, here's the key. Guys who are real bold, but don't have any love. You know, truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. That's why we must speak the truth in love. Amen? And you have people preaching a message, but they're angry. Now you got to burn, buddy. Get a front. Well, that's real effective because I want to come be just like you tomorrow. Amen? And there's this mentality of the way people approach people. Now, we don't water down the truth to make the word of God less offensive, but we need to deliver it in love. Amen. And even though Paul was a, the, as bold a man who'd ever lived outside of Jesus Christ himself, he was also a man who was known for his love. The word love there, of course, is agape, supernatural, God-given love, unconditional love for friend or foe alike. It's a love for God and a love for men. Then he says there, perseverance. A Greek word there is patient continuance in well-doing amidst great difficulty. A steadfast endurance. One, one not swerved from his deliberate purpose or his faith, not even by the greatest trials and sufferings. Let me ask you a question. Has COVID-19, COVID, has it impacted your faith? Has it caused you to waver in any way? Have you doubted God or questioned God? I would hope not. Can I get amen to that? So you find out if your faith is real when things get tough. It's easy to be the Christian on the cruise ship to heaven when the job is good and money's in the bank and all the kids are doing well, you know, and everything seems that nobody's got health issues and it's easy to be a Christian then. But how do you respond when everything around you seems to be falling apart? Is God as much in control when everything's good as when things are difficult? What's the answer? Is God as much in control when you're going across the sea and there's, there's no waves? You could skip rocks across it and you could water ski on it. It's beautiful. As when there's 50-foot waves? See, sometimes God calms the storm, but sometimes he calms us and brings us through the storm that he might be glorified through it and that we might grow spiritually. Amen? So we need to praise God whether the storm is huge or he removes the storm completely. We need to be able to persevere in our faith. And again, it's, it's, that's why the Bible says lay hands on no man quickly. Because it's easy to be on fire for God for a year or two. But real spiritual maturity is seen in someone who's unwavering for a lifetime. Can I get an amen to that? And he had watched what Paul had been through. Notice it says there in verse 11, persecutions and afflictions. If you ever know that, you know there's a difference. Persecution is outward attacks that result in personal suffering. Afflictions are things that come from within. So persecutions come from the outside and afflictions come from the inside. Persecutions are attacks from the world, attacks from the enemy, and afflictions are health issues and things like that that come from within. And he's saying to, he's saying to Timothy, you've seen me be persecuted and you've seen my afflictions. We know that Paul had a, a thorn in his flesh all his life. The Bible never tells us what it is. Some say it was stomach issues. Some say it was uh, vision problems. We don't know. And I think we don't know for a reason because we all can suffer afflictions at times. Amen. But when we suffer afflictions, do we keep our eyes on the Lord? Are we mad at God because of it? Do we, press, do we walk away from God or press further into it? He also faced persecutions. And you know what? The reality is of all the people in Scripture, no one faced greater persecutions than the Apostle Paul. Lest he forget, Paul reminded Timothy of the specific occasions of his persecution. Look what he says here. Which happened to me at Antioch. Now, this is found in Acts 13 and 14. Antioch, Paul was preaching the gospel to multitudes, and the unbelieving Jews became envious of Paul's prosperity, and they ran him out of town. Then he says he went in, in Iconium. Iconium, Paul was speaking boldly and, uh, you know, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Jews and Gentiles gathered together and threatened to stone him, and he left town. 
Notice the next city, Lystra. What happened in Lystra? They, they threw rocks at him till he died. I'm thinking that's persecution. Can I get an amen to that? In Lystra, they, the threats were turned into action. Paul healed a lame man, and people tried to worship him as God. Paul rejected their worship, pointed them to the true and living God, and his reward was that the Jews from Iconium and Antioch showed up and urged all the people. They took him outside the city gate, and they threw racks at him till he died. Now, some people believe he didn't fully die. When they throw rocks at you till you die, they make sure you're dead. The believers came around him and were praying, and Paul got back up. What did Paul do when he got back up? Where'd he go? He went right back into Lystra. That's called perseverance. Can I get an amen? That's called a man who, because he's persecuted, doesn't give up. Well, you know, when, when, when I face persecution, it makes me want to say charge. Amen? It doesn't make me want to shrink away. It makes me want to step up even bolder. Because if the enemy is taking time to attack me, God must want to do something great. Can I get an amen to that? Guess, up, guess who grew up in Lystra? Timothy. And I, there's not a doubt in my mind, he's reminding Timothy, hey, Timothy, remember back before you knew me really well? And you, and you, and you saw what happened. He didn't see it personally. He definitely heard about it because he grew up there. And this guy got back up and went back into the city and was preaching with great boldness. By the way, we know from the word of God that Paul says, I know of a man who was caught up into, a third, into the third heaven. Whether it was in a vision or it actually happened, I do not know. But he got a glimpse of heaven. Now guess what? If they throw rocks at you till you die, you get a glimpse of heaven. You're like, dude, heaven's better. I'm going right back in here. Feel free to throw rocks at me. I won't even move because heaven's better. Can I get an amen? And when you have a heavenly perspective, doesn't it take away all fear? You know, there's, and again, I'm not saying COVID's real. I get it. Okay. And people have it and we need to pray for them and we need to use wisdom, especially those who have preexisting conditions. But as Christians, we should be far more concerned with people's spiritual eternity than temporary uh, health. Can I get an amen? amen. Now we, 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 we don't be at reckless. Be, be mindful of people. Be thoughtful of people. Do those things. But I'm far more concerned about people getting saved. People, people writing to me this week, again, I get a lot of this. And they said, you know, you're going to answer to God one day because you kept your church open. And I said, I sure hope so. <laughs> Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And people, you know, somebody might have got somebody sick and someone didn't have anything. And then they told someone that spread to somebody else. I said, guess what? A bunch of people have gotten saved since COVID started in our church. Praise the Lord. Amen. And you know what? Are their lives, is their eternity less important than the potential that someone might get sick? I say no to that. Can I get an amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Right, Garrett and Kathleen? Amen? Amen. amen. God's good. You know what? Endured to, to bear pain. It says, with persecutions, I endured out of them all the Lord delivered me. I won't go through the list. We talk about Paul, you know, you go to second Corinthians and it says he was day and night in the deep and beatings often and scourgings often and all the things he went through. And, you know, he, he was free, he was in cold and in, and in famine and all the things he went through. And he said, God delivered me from all that. And you got to, you got to see that firsthand, Timothy, you know, all about them. The Lord delivered me. It reveals the great depth of Paul's character. He had come to truly see things from an eternal perspective. He realized that while God can deliver us from our trials and persecutions, he often delivers us through them. Most of you know that. A lot of you know this. Some of you don't. I've had a parasite since 1993, 27 years. My stomach bleeds all the time. It's an issue I've had for 27 years. I don't talk about it much. Because I've prayed about it. I've seen doctors. I've seen specialists. I have it. It is what it is. The Apostle Paul th prayed three times that God would deliver him from the, the affliction on him. God didn't deliver him. And I believe that God's allowing me to have this to keep me humble, broken, and desperate. And sometimes God delivers us from it. But sometimes he, he walks with us through it. And sometimes we grow a lot more walking through it with the Lord to mean delivered from it. Can I get an amen? And so whatever trials we're going through, trust God. If he wants to take it away, he can. But if he chooses not to, shall I praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? That's what, King, that's what Job said. Amen. We need to praise God always. It's not about our comfort, but about his glory. In the midst of trials and persecution, Timothy's are watching. Remember Paul's writing from prison. He's awaiting his death and he's still encouraging his brother in the faith. What persecution I endure, and out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. What is that next word? What is it? 
What is it? What does it say? Will. Not might, not could, will. Let me read it. Yes, and all. All means all. All. You're part of all. Can I get an amen? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. What does it say? Persecution. Oh, pastor, I didn't come for that message. You could have left off in the last verse. I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to sing Christmas songs this week and just <laughs> think about baby Jesus. I don't want to. I see Bible verses in people's houses on the wall. I see people with Bible verses tattooed on their bodies. I see Bible verses on necklaces. I haven't seen this one yet. Amen. Yet all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Again, a biblical promise we rarely see engraved, but it's a promise none the same. The word all who suffer persecution, not just Paul, not just Timothy, not just the Ephesian church, but all who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. Do you desire to live a godly life empowered by the Holy Spirit? Then promise is yours. As Christians, persecution should not be a source of discouragement and condemnation, but one of commendation from the Lord that we are, we are indeed living for him. You know, lovers of themselves saw the church uh, not only as a man-centered gospel, but in an unwillingness to deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. I'll follow the Lord as long as he gives me what I want. There used to be stickers back in the way that said, give Jesus a try. We don't give Jesus a try. We surrender our lives to the Lord. Amen. We don't just give him a little bit. All the godly attributes Timothy saw in Paul, the foundation which of all the others stood was his knowledge of biblical truth. It says there, they will suffer persecution. And it is the spirit-filled understanding of the truth of God's word that impacts a man's character. His manner of life is what he lives. His life with purpose it has clear direction. He is a man of faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He's slow to avenge wrong because he has an eternal perspective. He exhibits gape love, which is fruit of the spirit, the love for God, the love for men. And Paul was an example that Timothy could follow. Are you hanging out with people whose, whose example you could follow? Are you able to endure, endure persecution, realizing it's all part of God's ultimate plan? Persecution from the world is a reflection of the life that we're living. None of this is possible apart from the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in your life, if you're on the throne and God's not, you won't be able to do any of this. Because without him, we can do, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, final point, verse 13. Follow God's example, follow Paul's example again in the face of persecution. Remain steadfast in the word. Here we go. Verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men, obvious and open enemies of Christ, and imposters, false teachers who claim to preach the truth, will exist not only during the time of ruthless Nero, but it would increase over time, and things will get worse and worse. And so we're living, as it says, like in the days of Noah, where everyone was doing what is right in their own eyes. So we live in that time now. So that means there's more false teachers than ever. There's more people uh, who are enemies of God than ever. And we live among it. And we're called to be salt and light in the midst of it. For the false teachers, we need to overcome that by preaching the truth with boldness and being unashamed of the gospel. Amen? And for those who are enemies of God, we need to be unashamed of the gospel and point people to what God has done in our own lives and live a life in such a way that people want what we have, that we provoke them to jealousy, as the word of God says. Amen? So there's that exhortation. And we have so many as, you know, the Mormon church, Jehovah's Witnesses, the Word of Faith movement, the self-esteem gospel, as well as most of the world's religions. Uh, they, they are enemies of God. The New Age movement, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism. We love all these people, but they're trying to get to heaven. I, heard, I told you guys this. I go, to, I go to India every year and I saw this man on his knees in front of a stone elephant. And he is wailing and weeping and crying out. And I had no interpreter or anybody there to tell him, it's not a stone elephant that you need. It's a risen and living savior. Amen. And it breaks your heart when people are following after something that is dead. Amen. 
Brokenness, confessing, repentance, and crying out to the Lord for redemption has given way to positive confession and meditation and self-realization. And the only thing we need to realize about self is that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? If you want to have self-realization, you're a sinner, you need a Savior. There you go. Free class you just got this morning. There it is. Then have to go to a self-realization seminar for 12 weeks and pay 1500 bucks to be told how amazing you are because you're not. Can I get an amen? <laughs> One of the main reasons so many people are, are so easily deceived is they're biblically ignorant. We're biblically, we have more access to the word of God than anybody ever has. Amen? You got Christian radio, Christian TV, you got Christian Bible, you got, you got software, you got everything else. So he's saying, this is what's going on, but let's finish. But you, evil men and imposters will grow, but you, must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. Repeated throughout the text, others are deceived, but you continue what you've learned. Stick to what you know. Learn from, from, from his godly mom and grandma. We know that Timothy's mom and grandmother spoke into his life, right? Lois, right? Prayed for him, ministered to him. Because of her, Timothy's life was changed. Craig was just talking about his grandmother who's now in heaven and she was the lowest in your family. Amen. And praise God for the people, the praying grandmas. Can I get an amen? Praise God for those patriarchs that go before us that love us enough to tell us the truth. He's saying, look, we need to have that. You need to have that, that heart because Timothy's mom and grandma prayed for him. And then God brought Paul into his life. And now he's the man in Ephesus when Christians are being fed to lions when Christians are being set on fire, when being a, being a Christian could cost you your life, and he needs to be the man to stand up unashamedly and preach the gospel without compromise. Amen? And it says, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Guys, we need to, we need to be thankful for our children's ministry people. Can I get an Amen. I'm thankful for Hillcrest Christian School and schools like it. Amen? Where our kids are being taught the truth. Raise up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen? And praise God for people pouring the word of God into them. Because God, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it doesn't start when we're older. It starts when we're young. I'm thankful that I grew up in a family, and this is a fact. You can check with my siblings. My first word was Bible. It wasn't mama or dad. It was Bible. You know why? Because I grew up in a family where the word of God was being taught. Amen? My brother and I would go in the backyard and stand on boxes and preach at each other because we saw our dad do that, <laughs> you know? So that's what we grew up with. You know, the answers are not found in, in, in all these searches for truth that the world has. Guys, we have the truth and we should not hide our light under a bushel, amen? This is the light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, amen? Hide under a bush, oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. And we need to be unashamed of the truth we've been given and praise God, for the truth being taught from a childhood in, in Timothy's life. Holy scriptures were able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You're wise for salvation because somebody loved you enough to teach you the truth. Hey, dads, you're here on Sunday. Bring your family to church. Can I get an amen? Bring your family to church. And you did it. You're here. But I want to encourage you, make sure that that's a priority. God's word is wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. Not good works or self-esteem. Wisdom comes from the word of God. Finally, look at this verse here. All, what does that word mean? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. If that's your Bible or if you're just borrowing one of ours, underline that verse. Can I get an amen? All scripture, all script, not some, not most, but all. The word all in Greek means any, every, the whole. All given by God. All should be studied. Again, Leviticus is just as inspired as Luke. Nothing less than a whole Bible is going to make a whole Christian. Amen? If you're not coming on Thursday nights, we're in 1 Kings. We're, I'm telling you, the word of God, Jesus on every chapter. Can I get an amen to that? Let's teach the whole counsel of God. Let's not skip it over. But given by the inspiration of God. The word there literally means God breathed. This word was breathed. By God. Amen? Breathed into it. Inspired by God. And a close study reveals both its perfection and its inerrancy. 332 prophecies about the coming Messiah written in the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfilled them all. Can I get an amen? The word of God is true. 
We must not doubt it. We must read it. Open it, read it, obey it. Nothing less than a whole Bible, again, makes a whole Christian. There's a, yet there's a huge dividing line in our world today between those who believe that the Bible is the word of God or those who think it's a book written by men. Nothing more foolish for men to judge which part of God's word they want to believe. Guys, it's not the Ten Suggestions. It's the Ten Commandments. Amen? The Jesus Seminar voted on which verses to take out of the Bible. Guys, if you add to the word or take away from the word, you, do, you have rejected the word. You've heard me say it a thousand times. One more won't hurt you. 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, three languages, over 1,500 years, one central theme, and no contradictions. How come? Because God wrote it. It's the most circulated, most translated, most unique book ever. Proven accurate historically, archaeologically, prophetically, and scientifically. Uh, Jesus fulfilled 300. I'll give you a few. He was born in Bethlehem. He came out of Egypt. He healed the sick. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. The evidence is overwhelming. Know, guys, that what we're studying is the truth. Amen? And what happens when you have people that try to prove the Bible wrong, if they're sincere in their proof, guess what happens? They become Christians. I'm going to go over a couple minutes. We're almost done. All given by God. How much should we read it? How much of it should we read? How much of it should we read? All of it. How much of it should we study? How much of it should we teach? How much of it should we obey? Got a little quieter on that one. <laughs> I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Paul would later say, or said earlier actually, for I have not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. It's profitable. The greatest understatement in all of human history. For doctrine, let me just define these and we'll close. Doctrine, what is right? For reproof, what is not right for correction, how to get right. And for instruction, how to stay right. Let me say that one more time. He says there for doctrine, which is what is right for reproof, what is not right for correction is how to get right. And for instruction, how to stay right. Amen. So if you need to know what is right, read your Bible. If you know what's not right, read your Bible. If you need to be corrected, how to get right, read your Bible. And if you need to know how to stay right, stay in the word of God. Then he says, finally, that a man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man or God refers to any and all believers. The word complete means fully mature. Only way a man or woman can become fully mature or complete is through the study, reading, teaching, and obeying of the whole counsel of God. Amen? And now you know why I will never teach seven steps to financial freedom or three ways to overcome your anger or Beaver doesn't live here anymore, the series or the, or the rock and roll, you know, Christianity or anything like that. We're going to just teach this book. And someone said to me the other day, what do you do when you get to the end? We're going to teach it again. Can I get an amen? Guys, nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Amen. The scriptures, what do they declare? The way to salvation, the way to live produces mature Christians. And therefore we preach the word of God. And again, if we don't, we'll have uh, anemic, immature, emaciated, malnourished believers, ill-equipped to do any good work, having little or no impact on eternity. So I went over a couple of minutes, forgive me. Be long-suffering like you learned today, okay? <laughs> With your pastor. So... Signs of perilous times. We saw a flawed character of many of those who would call themselves Christians. We saw false teachers and imitators leading people away from the truth. And then we saw precious truth, keeping a heavenly perspective in the face of persecution. So right now with COVID guys, let's have a heavenly perspective. Let's see this as an opportunity for the gospel. Amen. An opportunity to love on people and to point them to the truth. And then finally remain steadfast in the word. Guys, there's no shortcut to growing spiritually outside of the study of reading of, living it out, obeying it, the word of God. Amen? Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. We thank you for the word of God, that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction you've given us this morning. Lord, I know how convicted I was throughout the week studying just how we are called in the midst of a difficult world, an evil and a lost world, to be salt and light, to be unashamed of the gospel, Help us, Lord, to recognize the lie and to not to speak out against it. Help us, Lord, to stand for the truth. Help us, Lord, to, to stand faithfully in the midst of persecution. Help us, Lord, to hunger and desire your word more than our necessary food, as your word tells us. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here today. 
whatever they may be going through, all the, the hundreds of people watching on live stream as well. We just pray for each and every one of them, Lord. If this was a word of exhortation for us, then Lord, I pray we would respond. Lord, I pray that we again would look for divine appointments and opportunities to point people to the truth. We truly are just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Lord, be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, yes, he was.